Welcome to GFT, Galactic Figure Talk, a podcast about Star Wars and Star Wars action figure collecting. The reason they're three and three quarter inches tall is because the first mock-up figures that I made were Fisher-Price Adventure People. I will freeze your body in carbonite forever, Han Solo. Not so fast. We finally launched Six Inch when I felt the time was right. We needed a new spark. We started selling all of the action figures through the fan club and uh, our most successful was the Cantina Band. That was enormously one of the best-selling items we've ever sold through the fan club. My nephew has a hand model on the Wampa box. He's the one with the little hand that's in there. It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures. Now, welcome your host, Chris B. Welcome to another episode of GFT, Galactic Figure Talk. My name is Chris B. I'm your host and on this episode I want to talk about Hasbro's just announced Black Series Holocom collection. Plus I want to share some thoughts about the Ahsoka TV series. So let's do it. All right, so this morning, Hasbro uh, announced five figures coming to the Black Series line, but they're not regular figures. They are hologram figures. They're kept in a translucent blue color. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen those in the three, three quarter inch line for many, many years, going back to the mid 2000s, I think. Uh, we also had two of them, I think, during the episode one toy line in uh, 1999, 2000, I think. And uh, yeah, those holographic figures were kind of a part of uh, the three three quarter inch line for quite a number of years. Uh, so much so that there is an entire section on galacticfigures.com where you can filter out hologram and spirit figures. And I'm going to put a link into the podcast description so you can uh, check out just how many figures Hasbro has come out with which were made in this style. But this is the first time now that we're seeing those in the Black Series line or in the 6-inch scale. And they've taken this concept a little further than previously. The 1999 figures uh, from the episode one line, they did come with a light up base. But uh, for these figures here, uh, it's a little different in that they're sculpted like a, uh, a bounty puck. And uh, they have two different modes. So when you press the button, it lights up. But then when you keep it pressed, It'll stay lit for about 30 minutes. Uh, that's at least what the press release said. And I'm going to read this to you guys here real quick. And uh, in the email that I received from Hasbro, it said, This morning, Hasbro revealed a whole new way to collect the Black Series with the Holocom collection. These new figures allow collectors to receive transmissions from across the galaxy with fan-favorite characters featured in hologram-style deco. Each figure comes with a holopock, which illuminates the figure from below. And those who hold the button on the puck will activate a 30-minute light display. 
as well as a bounty chip with an Orabesh inscription. Alright, so the characters they're gonna do are Dinjarin, Han Solo. I don't know why they still refer to Dinjarin as the Mandalorian. Because he's got a name, and he's had a name for the last four years at this point, I think. But yeah, so the Mandalorian, Dinjarin, um, they're doing Han Solo, Axe Wolves, Bo-Katan, and Ahsoka Tano. And... Yeah, so I've seen a lot of people complain about the character selection, and I have to agree that, with the exception of uh, Din Djarin, none of the others really make sense because they've never shown up as a hologram in any of the uh, the live action that we've seen. So it's kind of a weird that they picked those characters, but I would assume because The Mandalorian is uh, still very popular and the Ahsoka TV show was just uh, basically just wrapped last night, so... I guess that's why they're putting those characters out. Um, and then Han Solo is a bit awkward too because, well, again, we've never really seen him uh, being a hologram, I don't think. So, all right. Uh, the price point for these is $34.99 plus tax plus shipping. Pre-orders already open up tomorrow, October 5th at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, East Coast time. And they are all exclusives for different retailers. So the uh, Han Solo, for example, is a fan channel exclusive. Din Djarin is uh, Shop Disney and Hasbro Pulse. Axe Wolves is Amazon. Bo-Katan is Target. And Ahsoka Tano uh, is Walmart. And uh, the Ahsoka figure is not going to go on pre-order until next week. October 12th. Those are all supposed to be available sometime next year in the spring, with the exception being Bo-Katan. She's a Target exclusive, like I just mentioned, but she is listed as being out in fall of 2023. So she is probably going to hit the shelves before the year is over. And that's it for the Holocom announcement from this morning. If you now go to galacticfigures.com, you can already find its own site section specifically for those figures. So if you go to the Black Series line uh, in the dropdown, you now have the Holocom feature and you can filter those figures out. And they've also been added to the holographic site section on the website where all the holograms are listed including the ones from the three three quarter inch line. All right, so that's it for the Black Series Holocom figures. All right, so Ahsoka wrapped last night and I thought I might share some thoughts about it um, because I did have mixed feelings after it wrapped. And uh, overall, I really liked it. I would probably give it an eight out of 10 maybe a seven and a half or so out of 10 because I really liked it. I liked, uh, yeah, I liked the whole thing, but there is, you know, it had its, had its issues as well. And uh, if you haven't watched it yet, it's probably better to turn off the podcast because I am going to talk about spoilers. So this is your official spoiler warning, I guess. But yeah, so, you know, going into the TV show, I think the questions that we're all asking was, where is Thrawn? Where is Ezra and what has Thrawn been up to, right? And they answered all of those questions. They gave us the answers to all of those. 
And in that regards, I think it was pretty satisfying overall. Maybe not world-shattering revelations here. I mean, they both survived. Surprise, surprise. And uh, Thrawn did exactly what I expected him to do, is to just kind of try to get back into the regular galaxy and, uh, you know, build out the troops or what have you. And Ezra just kind of survived. And that's exactly what they gave us. So in that regards, there weren't really any surprises. But I think the way they handled it was done really well. I thought uh, Thrawn was menacing. And uh, he came across just like the way he did in the comics. And, you know, the voice and everything. I mean, same actor, right? So, yeah, that worked out really well, I thought. And I also liked how the story unfolded over those eight episodes. Where Ahsoka is hunting for the map and she's trying to find out how to get there and she little by little does and while she does all of that they also give us an idea of where those Star Wars Rebels characters have been all this time and I think they did a pretty good job especially the way the animation translated into live action with new actors uh, portraying those characters and uh, yeah I think they've done a good job especially I remember seeing the first pictures of Hera and I was not sold on that look when I first saw those still pictures but uh, you know in the show I think she was fantastic I think they really pulled it off well so yeah and I also thought that from episode one through episode six the visuals were pretty good, like movie quality visuals. Um, it wasn't until episodes 7 and 8 where I did notice several times that they filmed in the volume and that the quality just wasn't quite there what I wanted in Star Wars storytelling. And ever since the Kenobi show came out, I mean, I've been just so worried about that because with Kenobi... Uh, I think they did such a poor job in many of the episodes where it just constantly pulled me out of the experience where I felt like they just didn't put the money into the show. You know, I mean, even the de-aging in the Kenobi show, I mean, they didn't really de-age anybody, right? I mean, that scene with uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan practicing, yeah, that just didn't look good at all, I thought. But that was not the case here. I mean, you know, the way they brought Anakin Skywalker back in the live-action Clone War stuff that they added with the young Ahsoka, all of that stuff was great. Really good stuff, I thought. And I think there was enough newness in there and enough familiarity. So those uh, naughties on, on that planet in the New Galaxy felt very much Star Wars to me. I thought that was fantastic. There was enough interesting stuff in there that felt fresh. You know, the uh, the graveyard, the whales go to, to die and, you know, it being the end of their journey and all that. And, um, yeah, that was done so well. And also, I mean, the Night Sisters and the witches and the way they implemented them and them reanimating the stormtroopers. I thought that was done really well. And I actually like that this kind of happened in a different galaxy because in the galaxy that we know, like this stuff, like the magic stuff still feels really out of place to me, even though we had some 
stories like that uh, in the Clone Wars, but I'm glad that this is kind of like how they tied it in with with that coming from a different galaxy. So, and then overall, I would say that uh, Episode 7, I wasn't really, just didn't, something felt off about it, and it was really hard to put my finger on it. I felt the, the, uh, the fighting scenes with Ezra without the saber felt very goofy, a bit too much for my liking, and uh, wasn't a fan of that. Everything up to that moment was done really, really well, I thought. Um, maybe the pacing was a little on the slower side but i always feel like you know if they can go slower they can go slower in a tv show and why not you know i mean this is tv so give us a slower pace i'll eat it up that's okay but yeah so i already criticized the visuals in episodes seven and eight and it looking too much like the volume for me and then as far as the story goes i think it worked out pretty well overall i think what i missed basically and the same goes for the book of boba fett in the final episode for that is that the scale wasn't quite there like they set everything up and everything looks big and grand but then in you know for example in the book of boba fett at the end you know i don't know like did they have like 10 or 12 pikes show up and battle that's kind of like how it felt uh, instead of like this massive pike army right and that's exactly how i felt about the stormtroopers and thrawn sending those guys down um it felt a little too small scale for what I expected this is going to be and what I wanted to see. So that was the the second thing that I I wish they would have just gone a little deeper with, you know, or, or put more, just make it bigger, basically. That's that. And then the very last thing I am not a big fan of is the Mortis tie-in and the whole Balin skull thing. Um, you know, Balin and Shin Hati, two very intriguing characters, although I felt that Shin Hati was basically just completely sidelined. He basically sends her off and he tells her to go join the uh, the new empire. And we never find out why she didn't do that. Because she seemed to be very driven and she seemed to be really eager to get off the planet because she did talk to Balin Skull before and she mentioned, hey... We should probably get off of this planet because everyone else seems to be eager to get off as well. But then she stayed and we never find out why. And I think there should have been more in the cards for her character. Then Balin Skull looking for the father, the son and the daughter, I guess, um, that we got to meet in the Clone Wars and the Mortis arc. Yeah, so that's where they kind of lost me a little because I was never a fan of those episodes in the Clone Wars. They were just a little too much out there for me. And after watching this final episode, I went ahead and I rewatched the Mortis arc, and I'm still not a fan of it. I know that George Lucas was involved in the creation of it, and it's just so much up for interpretation on, on how you want to look at this. Um, because the daughter did die, and while she was still alive at the very end, she helped Ahsoka to be reanimated. And does that now mean that the daughter lives within Ahsoka? Which would be kind of weird. And then we also know that the father killed himself and the son was killed by Anakin Skywalker. All of those three are basically dead. Wouldn't that mean that it's 
balance, that everything is in balance again. Especially because they do say in the episode that Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one and he did bring the balance and he can do it again. Which he then does. He does bring everything back to balance in The Return of the Jedi by tossing Palpatine down the shaft. So he did redeem himself in the end. And he did bring balance to the Force. And this is set five years now after The Return of the Jedi. So the New Republic is just taken over, basically. Everything should still be in balance. So what is it that... Balin's skull is after. What is his agenda at all? Like, either there is the dark side that has more weight, or it's the good side that has more weight, or it's in balance. Like, what button does he hope to press, and what is he ultimately trying to do? Like, I don't get it. It's just way too much up for interpretation. And quite honestly, even if we wait another two or three years for a follow-up to this storyline... I don't think they'll ever give us a proper answer to that. Now, where does this leave us now? Thrawn is back in our galaxy, which is cool. So I guess he's going to meet up with the Imperial Remnants, and they've been probably waiting for him. Now, is Moff Gideon still around? Because, you know, he was in the Dark Trooper suit, and we never really specifically saw him get killed. All we saw was that he went up in flames, right? So there's a good chance for Moff Gideon to come back. Um, which would be probably cool to see him face off with Thrawn, right? Um, I think that could be a, a pretty interesting dynamic because they're both so uh, power-hungry, right? Um, so yeah, I guess that's what's going to happen next. And Ezra is going to tell him that Thrawn is back. And it's going to be another conflict. So where are we going to get these stories finished? Is that something they'll finish in The Mandalorian Season 4? Is that something that they'll just sprinkle in like they did with The Book of Boba Fett, where they just all of a sudden had two episodes of The Mandalorian in there? Is that something that they'll do with Ahsoka and Mando now? Where they give us two episodes or so and finish the story on how Ahsoka gets off the planet? Or whatever happens with Balin's skull. I assume that they have to recast uh, Balin's skull, right? Since Ray Stevenson isn't longer with us. So, yeah, I mean, they gave us all the answers to the questions that we had going in. But they certainly added a whole plethora of other questions that we now have. Now, another thing which I really need for this to work a little bit better for me is a proper explanation why Sabine has Jedi powers. It's just not good enough for me that you just say that that everyone has that skill. You just need to practice it. And if you have talent, you're really good at it. No, that's just not good enough for me, quite honestly. Um, it worked in the earlier episodes because we knew that she is good with weapons. She is a Mandalorian. Kanan trained her specifically with the sword uh, so she can fight with it, but he didn't give her any force training or any Jedi training in that regards. Um, so at the beginning, it kind of worked for me in that regards. But then seeing her, how she reaches out now with the force and all of a sudden can force push Ezra. Um, I need a better explanation for that. That didn't quite work for me in the end. 
So, all right. So overall, I would say it was good. It was fun. It was engaging every single week for the eight-week run that it had or the seven-week run that we had. And it was also amazing to see just how much money Disney threw at the marketing for this. I mean, they had one episode which launched in the movie theaters, right? I mean, that's not something that they do for every TV show that they have. They knew that they had something good in their basket, and they really felt like they had to push this. And, yeah, I think the marketing effort uh, paid off in the end because I think the focus was really heavy on Ahsoka, not just from us hardcore Star Wars fans, but the mainstream too, I think. And a lot of uh, casual fans uh, turned, uh, turned in to watch that as well. The other thing I wanted to mention is that it was really refreshing to see so many positive comments and a lot of positivity go through the Star Wars fandom again. That was not something that we've had for a long time. And it felt really good to have a segment or a big segment of the Star Wars fandom be very positive about this. And so I really appreciated that about it as well. It was really nice to see. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. I thought it was good. You know, uh, despite me not liking a bunch of stuff uh, in the last two episodes or so. Um, but overall, I thought it was good. And quite honestly, it didn't really feel like they left off to give us a movie either. This could very well live on in the form of TV for a few seasons to come. And that's why I wish that Disney and Lucasfilm would step up now and tell us what's going to happen with a second season or how these stories are going to continue because it is frustrating not knowing um, what's going to happen next. So hopefully they're going to come out with an announcement sometime soon because, yeah, I mean, are we really going to wait another three or four years to have those stories finished? I know, that'd be kind of lame. Honestly, that'd be super lame. Especially now we have Skeleton Crew coming up next and even though it's the same time period, I'm, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be some overlap, but how much overlap is there really going to be, right? I don't expect a whole lot. Maybe we see Mando pop up. Maybe they, you know, I don't know. Maybe they see Ezra, how he escapes from a Thrawn Star Destroyer or something weird like that, you know? But I don't expect major plot points to tie into the Skeleton Crew. And so, okay, so Skeleton Crew would be next then, I guess. And then we get the Acolyte, which is a completely different time period. And then we probably get Andor, the second season, which again is a completely different time period. And then we're supposed to get The Mandalorian Season 4. But, I mean, realistically, that's about two years away at this point, right? I mean, the actors are still striking. The writer strike is over, but I think the actors are still on strike so far. Yeah, all right. So that's, that's where I'm at with Ahsoka. Overall, I liked it. I liked being engaged for those seven or eight weeks that we had the show. And even though not perfect, I thought it was pretty good overall. So my hat is off to Dave Filoni. I think he's done uh, a remarkable job with uh, his Ahsoka character. And uh, jumping into the, the cold water, so to speak. And uh, I know he's directed one episode of The Mandalorian before uh, with Ahsoka. But I think this was really his his baby, and I think he's done a good job with it. 
Have you guys looked at that Black Series Ezra Bridger figure that they've come out with? Because this figure might be a look for us at a deleted scene. Or it gives us a hint at uh, some last-minute changes to the Ahsoka TV series because this Ezra Bridger figure is based on the Ahsoka live-action appearance of Ezra, but he's wearing the Star Wars Rebels outfit, that orange flight suit. And we never saw Ezra wearing that in the uh, TV show. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Be a good question for Hasbro uh, to ask uh, how that uh, how that action figure came about. Um, and as far as other figures that I wanted to see from this show, I mean, that's what this, this show was really good at, uh, is giving us new characters or, or characters that I'm excited to get as an action figure, um, like Captain Enoch or the Night Troopers and uh, those two big uh, black armored zombie troopers uh, in the final episode. A Morgan Elspeth with the uh, the witch eyes and the blade that would be really cool. So yeah, there were definitely some characters in there that uh, you know that I really liked and that I really think that they've done a really good job creating and giving us something that stays within the aesthetics that we know but also adds a little bit of newness and freshness i mean with night troopers they can go <laughs> i mean that has repaint written all over it you know just regular stormtroopers with red wrappings around them right and maybe a helmet torn off here and a helmet torn off there but i can see hasbro dipping into this for years to come and uh, why not give us something cool like that i'm all here for it you know but anyways that's where i'm going to wrap up this episode of galactic figure talk like i mentioned earlier in the episode if you haven't seen what these black series holocom figures look like yet check out the link in the podcast description and uh Look at the uh, press images on galacticfigures.com. The pre-order links for all of them are also going to be posted on October 5th. So if you want to get your uh, your pre-order in early at those retailers, uh, please use the, the links found on galacticfigures.com. The only figure which goes up for pre-order next week on the 12th of October is the Ahsoka Tano version at Walmart. Everything else goes on pre-order tomorrow, October 5th. Now, and if you want to share your thoughts about the Ahsoka TV show, please find the post on the Galactic Figures uh, Facebook page. I'll link it in the podcast description as well. And uh, please leave your thoughts there. So thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one. It's a wrap for this episode, but the next one is just around the corner. So make sure to subscribe. Meanwhile, have fun browsing over 4,000 Star Wars figures on galacticfigures.com, the Star Wars action figure database. The website helps you look up and identify Star Wars figures. Leave your own figure reviews in the comments or check out photo galleries, figure info, news, press releases, or event coverage from New York Toy Fair and Star Wars celebrations. Thanks for listening. Check the links in the description and remember to subscribe.